Action Party's campaign to secure the former Belfield Church has been one of the success stories, not just of Portobello, but of Scotland as a whole. It's shown just what can be achieved when a whole community pulls together. We've reported on it a number of times, the last when the keys were finally handed over, but after that it all went seemingly awfully quiet. Apart from open days at the time of the Remembrance weekend, anyone walking past would mainly have seen locked gates and may have wondered what, if anything, was happening. Well, the answer has been a lot, but it's all the kind of work that has to be done to make the building fit for purpose in the 21st century. I've been given a look behind the scenes in the company of project manager Emma Griffiths. Prior to acquisition of the building, some reports had been commissioned which included a fire risk report, and that report is actually a document that has legal standing, and that identified risks and issues that had to be dealt with in the building. Principally, there was no fire alarm system in the building, so that's been the first uh, priority. The I believe you're quite lucky in the system that you actually identified, which has really been not too obtrusive as far as the building is concerned, particularly the, the main body of the church. There are various grades of fire alarm system, but we've got a fantastic system for the main void in what was the place of worship in the former church that relies on a beam system that's projected out over the main void, and that is able to pick up any smoke, but it's non-intrusive, so the main spaces remain intact and look coverage for a big volume like that is, is the best that you can get and the company were delightful to deal with. So when the building comes into use and there are, goodness knows what events that take place in that hall, the audience will hardly notice it. Absolutely, unless it was to be pointed out to you, you wouldn't notice it. The only thing is that no one can ever come into that building holding a helium balloon, because if they were to let one go, it would set off the alarms, and we don't want the fire brigade to be coming. So it will be a helium balloon-free zone, but apart from that, it's beautifully uh, discreet and inobtrusive. But you've also had to do other work, because it's not just a fire alarm. If something does happen, then the alarm hopefully doesn't go off, but if it does, then you've got to be able to get out of the building safely. We haven't completed the issues about fire safety, and a quite a big and expensive piece of work that remains is installing emergency lighting throughout the buildings and to the exit routes. We have exits at the back to Belfield Lane and at the front to Belfield Street. And an emergency lighting system has to be hardwired and it has to be a particular grade of cable, which is very expensive, and that's just big and expensive and absolutely necessary. So that's our next big project. Another thing that we've had done is the steeple jacks have been here and done all kinds of wonderful things on the roof and our flat roof doesn't leak anymore, and we've had some wonderful pictures taken from the steeple, which is great. So basically what you've ended up having to do is deal with the really big, expensive stuff first. Yeah, we've prioritised those pieces of work that are about people being able to use the building safely. So what still has to be done before the building, we hope, comes into use in June? The main area still to go, although there are other little bits and pieces to finish off, as well as the emergency lighting, is the kitchen. We are having designs drawn up. We hope to get prices pretty soon and be able to fit out a new kitchen that will comply with environmental health standards. For yes, you had the environmental health officers down here to look at it, didn't you? We did, and she was remarkably sanguine and very helpful, but it was quite evident that the cupboards and the surfaces and the sinks and mechanical extraction and so forth were not consistent with 
the standards that apply now. They probably were when it was installed, and there's been obviously many a happy meal prepared there, and we've heard about lots of Burns suppers and wonderful things that happened. But with a new kitchen, we'll hopefully be able to let all that kind of celebrations happen again. Now, I believe that the new kitchen is actually being drawn up by the lady that, uh, until recently, you were job-sharing with. Yes, the completely wonderful, understated and quiet and enormously talented Angela Thomas job-shared with me when I began the job, and she's now on maternity leave. So we'll shortly be expecting a new little architect of the future, perhaps. But she's done the kitchen design, so that's been really, really helpful. So what specifically did environmental health people insist on, which you weren't really expecting? We know that you have to have a hand-washing sink, and there is, in fact, a hand-washing sink in the kitchen as it stands. But to comply with food standards, you need to have four sinks in a kitchen, one for hand-washing, as close to the door in as possible, one for dishes with detergent, one for rinsing, and a separate sink for food and veg prep. So that is going to take up quite a lot of room, of which there isn't, in that kitchen. I have enormous faith in Angela's fantastic talents as a designer to create something that will work and will use that really well-designed kitchen that serves both halls brilliantly and creatively and will look clean and fresh and inviting for our users in the future. Now, one thing that we have to think about is that, yes, you will be opening in June, but certain things which have been aspirations if you like, are still going to be aspirations at that time because you want to find out what the users themselves think about the space that they're using and what needs to be done to improve it. Yes, the project and Action Party's aspiration always has been they bought this building for the community. It was bought by the community for the community and the community will drive how it is used and what it is used for. And Action Party's responsibility is to serve the community. So... We know that people are really desperate to use the halls again and we want to get them safe so that they can use them as soon as possible. So we are looking at having a two-year period of operation. The first year will just be letting people use the halls and we will put in a system in which we can gather their views on what works, what doesn't work, what they would like to see improved or changed or what they would also like to do. We will then take that information and look at how we could implement the longer-term aspirations of a better cafe or a community cafe. Could we have a training cafe? How could we best configure the former space for worship so that we could maybe show slides, illustrate talks, have blackout, that kind of thing. So we'll we'll be asking our users so that the decisions we make will be evidence-based. We can then take an evidence-based brief to a design team, which will probably have structural engineers, architects and landscape architects, and look at, say, how can we design this space and how can we improve it. Then we'll have some costs and we can take those to funders. The problem about the main hall, going back to that, as opposed to the extension, the the community halls, if you like, is that that's a listed building. And therefore, you've got to be very, very careful about how you treat the fabric of that building. Changes that we make to it will be subject to listed building consent. And interestingly, the building has been changed about every 30 years since it was begun in 1809. So it's about time. It would not be inconsistent with the way the building has been used to make significant alterations. 
but the alterations that have been made to make the organ loft, for example, in the 1930s, or the whole north wing and the galleries in the 1860s, they were significant alterations, but they were of very, very high quality. And so anything that we do will need to be of consistently high quality. But the original space had one toilet for the minister, and when the cafe was put in in front of the main church, there was one additional And now we expect rather more, and we get rather cross if we have to queue in the interval at a concert. So one of the things we'll have to do is put in a huge amount more plumbing, and that will involve finding out where our drains are and addressing that, and that will be difficult and complicated, but absolutely essential and the right thing to do. We'll need to look at heating and ventilation very carefully and acoustics, as well as sensitive blackout and conservation of all the features. Because it sounds as though you're anticipating that the the main auditorium is actually going to be a multi-purpose, multi-use space. We will respond to demand. We know that there's certain constraints on it because it's listed. We want to protect its character. We are required to do that as guardians of a listed building. But we'll also listen to the people who want to use it and we'll also be bound to some degree by regulation, by building regulation about load capacities, how many people can it take in the space and we want to make as much of the building accessible to as many people as possible, whether that's physically accessible, intellectually accessible, by providing hearing loops or in other ways. So... We want to work to make the buildings, the buildings suite, as accessible to as many people as possible. And Emma Griffiths assures me that the newly refurbished building will be ready on time for a grand opening in June. We're looking forward to it.